All right, folks, this is Rabble Rousing Rich Bergeron. You know, it's the Tornado, Tony Pennycamp. And Psychic Tom Paget with uh, tarot cards added to my crystal ball. Ready to go. Uh, you got you got Hillary's woman card in there? Uh, <laughs> yes, and it's upside down. Uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> I was ribbing Tony the other day. Uh, I, I said, I bet he's pissed that uh, Hillary's out there in Philadelphia playing the Rocky music, uh, Eye of the Tiger. Yeah, at her really I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a boxing uh, show, combat sports, but sometimes we talk politics. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Hey, no, I, mean, I, I think um, those press conferences, when it comes down to the debates, between Trump and Hillary, they're going to be better than, you know, a lot of the press conferences of the major fights. Yeah. 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 The debates. Uh, I, I would, it'll, be, it'll be like Tyson and Lewis. It'll be brawling from Biden. Right. Well, actually, uh, talking about Trump is a perfect transition to the, the character that's taken over the heavyweight division in boxing. Tyson Fury, he had uh, quite the wild press conference the other day to talk about uh, the rematch with Vladimir. And uh, he kind of took on the Roy Nelson look, took his shirt off and revealed how fat he was, and then turned to uh, Klitschko and said, shame on you, you let a fat man beat you. (laughs) And uh, he also had uh, some jabs about, uh, didn't even want to be a boxer, basically. He doesn't want to be a boxer. He says he'd rather be sitting on his sofa eating chocolate and calling himself a joke. (laughs) <laughs> I thought he wanted to be a singer. Yeah. <laughs> and he's no stranger to controversial comments. You know, uh, obviously he had his belt stripped for, for some comment, comments he made. But uh, uh, one of the most famous ones is uh, criticizing of abortion, openly disagreeing with uh, homosexuality, and said a woman's best place is in the kitchen and on her back. Yeah. Top of all that, he said, uh, doping should be legalized in all sports to make it fully fair. <laughs> so, uh, pretty outrageous. Uh, and uh, on top of this, uh, he mentioned, um, we talked about this on the show, that uh, he thinks Travis Brown got dosed in his water. He said, I didn't drink the water when I went over there to Russia. Yeah. Um, so he said stuff like that. Um he actually, I did not, the headline I read earlier this week about how he said that Klitschko lost on purpose. So I didn't, uh, I didn't get to the bottom of why he thinks that, but that's his conspiracy theory is that Klitschko lost this fight on purpose. But uh, Klitschko uh, at this press conference yesterday said he is embarrassed that he has given a stage to Fury by losing to him. He said, I'm not okay with what comes out of Fury's mouth, his statements. For example, that all homosexual men and women and pedophiles belong in the same place, in jail, basically. That all women belong in the kitchen and on their back. So that is basically where he sees Elton John and the Queen. And uh, Klitschko added that he also wants to win the rematch, not just for himself, but for the people. Uh, And the better reputation of the heavyweight champion. (coughs) So... Fury uh, just basically uh, played the character, came out with a bunch of okay, cheerleaders. Okay, uh, let's, let's think about that for a second, though. What 
what would be the benefit to Klitschko of really not pushing to win that fight or throwing the fight on purpose? Build up a rematch for more money? I don't think the rematch is that much bigger of a deal, is it? What do you guys think? If you have, now, now I'm going to give you another point. Let's say, for argument's sake, Mike Tyson threw the fight to Buster Douglas. And I had some people tried to say, Tyson threw that fight. No, he didn't. Tyson threw that fight, he would have went down in two rounds. He wouldn't have taken that prolonged of a beating. Okay? Right. Other people tried to say Michael Moore threw that fight to George Foreman. Wrong. Because Moore was pasted Foreman with his best for nine and a half rounds. He didn't throw the fight. He would throw the fight would have been two rounds, maybe three at the most. He would have, you know, danced around, outboxed him, and then the first light punch he got hit with, he would have went down. He went down in two rounds to Buster Douglas. And it was the biggest shock in the world, and everybody was amazed. And then they called for a rematch, and they made a boatload of money on pay-per-view. Okay, that makes sense. Um, right. Because of shock. Um, Michael Moore lost to George Foreman by, like, second-round knockout. And then they did a, a big rematch on pay-per-view. Okay, that's so shocking. Does anyone want to see George defend his title against the guy I beat it from? Whatever. That makes a lot of money. Um, Fury and Klitschko, one was a dreadful fight. So who really wants to watch it again? I mean, if if Klitschko would have thrown that fight, he would have went down in one or two rounds, like he did against Corey Sanders, um, or even when he lost to Lehman uh, Brewster. And then it would be like, oh, um, you know, we got caught with a shot, and now he wants, you know, to come back and regain his title not walk around and dance dreadfully and bore the piss out of the Audi 12 rounds, then nobody wants to see that fight. Yeah, uh, that's a very good point, because you can always just blame it on Klitschko getting old overnight, and the burden's on him to prove that he didn't. And you got to wonder, yeah. if, if if he had that dreadful of a performance the last time, what the hell is he going to do different? Did he not train? I don't believe that. He's always been a hard Maybe old age just caught him. Uh, I don't. I, I just don't buy the conspiracy. I'm sorry. Yeah, neither do I. Perfect physical shape, but mentally I was absent. I was going into this fight passively. The fight was lost, but we didn't lose the fighter. Uh, to that, uh, Fury said, "You got beaten fair and square the first time in Germany on your own turf in front of all your own people. You got whooped." You'll need to be about 1,000 times better because you landed about four shots in 12 rounds. <laughs> so, there you go. Klitschko uh, is at least making it... I mean, uh, Fury is at least making it interesting. Well, he's, he's trying. I mean, he's nowhere near the trash talker that uh, Ali was. <laughs> that's for sure. But there's only one Ali. That's for a reason for right. it. Right. But uh, at the very least, I mean, he's, he's doing the best he can with what he's got. But, I mean, uh, you know, Tony, you're right. I mean, that was so dreadful. It's like, oh, God, do we got to see 12 more rounds of this? I mean, if it would have been a barn burner and maybe ended with a late-round knockout but a real back-and-forth, ebb-and-flow competitive fight, yeah, maybe. But it's not the way it was. Uh, and we've talked about before... Uh Premier Boxing Champions, uh, they got some antitrust uh, lawsuits against them, some issues there with uh, some controversy. Uh, there's another lawsuit now coming out, just reported today here in Olathe, Kansas. A uh, 
portfolio manager there at Waddell and Reed, a guy named Ryan Caldwell, is accused of spending uh, all the money from this fund, $925 million, on a, quote, potentially criminal, unquote, startup pro boxing company, rather than the stable investments the company advertised. This is a, what they call a shareholder derivative lawsuit. Uh, which I became familiar with, unfortunately, because of my experience with science. <laughs> but, uh, basically, all these people that invested in this company are saying, <clears throat> we wanted to invest in this fund. This fund was supposed to do such and such with so many returns. Uh, now they spent nearly a billion dollars on this boxing company that had nothing to do with a return and everything to do with this guy Caldwell wanting to make a name for himself and help out his friend Al Heyman. Um, so the, uh, the official charge is the private stock investment violated the stated terms of the prospectuses for the funds, which describe an investment strategy that primarily focuses on securities issued by large capitalization companies that can offer a high probability of return or alternatively can provide a high degree of relative safety in uncertain times with strong cash flow streams and high sustainable cash flow. Uh, the complaint adds that investing nearly a billion dollars of private securities in a startup boxing promotion company as high, is as high risk a venture as one could imagine. <laughs> so, yeah, not a good idea. Basically, flush the money down the toilet. <laughs> It's a high-risk investment, I guess, if you're flushing it down the toilet. <laughs> but uh, uh, Caldwell resigned from the funds, obviously, to join uh, Heyman's company. This is something we talked about uh, before. Um, there's a question of whether he actually resigned or was he fired by the trustees for making these investments. Uh, and whether he had some kind of inside agreement with Heyman's company is also being investigated. Uh, now, the spokesman for uh, Premier Boxing Champions and Waddell and Reed here are saying that uh, this is just because the fund has declined in value. And basically, um, this is just a small portion of our investments. So it shouldn't, uh, shouldn't reflect the whole fund. <coughs> but uh, they're not really defending this investment as anything great. <laughs> uh, they, the company, Waddell and Reed, also announced recently that it was going to lay off 10% of its full-time employees because the first quarter profits this year fell by 44%. So the whole company is suspect, I think. But this little wrinkle uh, does not make things look good, this, uh, this deal with Al Heyman. And uh, sounds like uh, they used it as a slush fund, basically. Uh, somebody came to Al Heyman, came up with this hatch plan to use this fund and say, let's just take over boxing and uh, let the chips fall where they may. <laughs> uh, but it doesn't seem like anybody's going to get criminally held liable, which is sad. Uh, but... You could see this as another episode of the show uh, American Greed <laughs> down the line uh, if they can get the goods on Al. <clears throat> but yeah, it's interesting. I haven't checked in on the Bob Arum 
uh, Golden Boy lawsuits recently either, but I know that was moving forward last I checked, so we'll have to keep an extra close eye on that in relation to this stuff. Uh, and also we got uh, UFC news as always. There's always UFC news. Uh, Connor, Connor McGregor. I don't think he will be at UFC 200 unless he's in the audience. <laughs> because uh, Connor has officially been uh, hauled off of UFC 200. He uh, put out a tweet over the weekend, I think, uh, that uh, on it. He's back on the card, and he thanked Lorenzo Fertitta and Dana White for making it happen. But uh, then Dana White came on uh, TMZ Sports and said, uh, yeah, that's that's not true. So I, I don't know what Kool-Aid Connor is drinking, but it's not uh, UFC brand Kool-Aid. Because uh, out to lunch on this one. But uh, the UFC 200 card did get a new fight. Uh, Daniel Cormier and John Jones, the rematch, is apparently going to be the main event for this card uh, on July 9th. And uh, Misha Tate versus Amanda Nunes, obviously, is the co-main event there. Jose Aldo versus Frankie Edgar, also on the card. Um, so, top three uh, fights there. Pretty interesting. Definitely, uh... Well, you, you know, Rich, there is one possible fly in the ointment. Uh, I was just on the underground, and they were talking about uh, Jones maybe possibly having a six-month medical suspension. Now, I don't didn't if think he has he a broken foot. Yes, I did read about that, but uh, UFC is not going to make this fight and announce this fight if they don't already know his foot isn't broken. You know, so I'm thinking that whatever that is, it's just technicality. And obviously, John Jones is going to look like an ass if he turns around and says, oh, I have to pull out of this fight because of a foot injury. <laughs> when that just happened to Cormier and he gave him so much shit about doing that, you know, so. <laughs> I'd throw that one right under the bus. That's not going to happen. I mean, uh, John Jones... Obviously, he doesn't have any influence over whether he gets suspended or not. But uh, I figured he'd fight with his leg hanging off after all the shit he gave Cormier. Karma, <laughs> <laughs> Karma could be a bitch. Oh, yeah. wouldn't that be something? But uh, Cormier comes in seventeen and one. John Jones comes in uh, twenty-two and one for this one. Misha Tate, 18 and 5. Amanda Nunes, 12 and 4. Jose Aldo has the two losses with the 25 wins. Frankie comes in 20 wins, four losses, one draw. Then we got Kane Velasquez on the card versus Travis Brown. Velasquez is 13 and 2, fighting Travis Brown, 18, 3 and 1. Velasquez has also said that he's going to lay off uh, sparring a little earlier for this one to make sure that there's no injury bug that pulls him off this card. Uh, we also got Gagard Musasi, 38-6-2, fighting Derek Brunson, who's 15-3. Johnny Hendricks versus Kelvin Gastelum. Hendricks is 17-4, Gastelum is 11-2. Joey Lazon versus Diego Sanchez. Uh, should be a real barn burner there. Lazon, 25-11, uh, Sanchez, 26-8. Uh, Takanori Gomi versus Jim Miller. Gomi is 35-11. and 11. Jim Miller is 25-8. and 8. Uh, Big rivalry here. Kat Zingano versus Juliana Pena. 
It's a big test for Pena. Uh, seven and two coming in uh, against Zingano at nine and one with the only loss there for uh, the fight with uh, Ronda. Sage Northcutt also leading this card at uh, seven and one, or opening this card, I should say, fighting Enrique Marin, who is eight and three, and I've never heard of. He doesn't even have a sure dog picture. You know, this guy's supposed to be the next face of the UFC. He's fighting a guy that doesn't even have a sure dog picture. <laughs> hey, he 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 needs a uh, comeback fight. Yeah, I guess so. Tune up, a tune up against a player to be. Posted picture of later. <laughs> yeah, that would be, let's see. Uh, instead of TBA, uh, well, come up with an acronym, Rich. You're the, you're the word master for N-T-O-S or something. <laughs> no sure dog picture. N-S-P. Yeah, uh, N-S-P. Yeah, there you go. We just need three initials in there. No sure dog picture. N-S-P. Okay, we got it. No sure dog picture. And uh, speaking of S-P's... St. Prue uh, took John Jones to, not the woodshed, but uh, the limit uh, at UFC 197 over the weekend and lasted all five rounds, uh, even though he didn't um, have any super... I did not watch the fight. I uh, fell asleep during the Pettis fight. No. <laughs> I actually uh, turned it off uh, after the Pettis fight there because of... Uh, issues uh, you know uh before before we get to the pettis fight uh apparently there was some uh criticism from greg jackson about all the powerlifting john jones was doing and he felt that it had something to do with uh his uh stamina or lack thereof right um uh now the counter to that would be it's been so long since john fought that he was shaking off um how do you how do you see it um well powerlifting is really not um uh beneficial for a lot of stuff in mixed martial arts. I mean, if you think about it, um, uh, Angelo Dundee never liked lifting at all for fighting. Said it's shortened, shortened reach. Um, a lot of, uh, a lot of different sports rely on lifting. Uh, football, probably the number one one that comes in mind. Guys have days where they're lifting every day, all the time, all, the whole day. Um, there was a whole weightlifting program in my high school for the football players, but mixed martial arts is really not a place where you want bulk over, uh, tone and, uh, basically, you know, just raw strength more than anything. Uh, powerlifting to deadlift or, you know, powerlift some weight off the ground. What's that good for? Picking a guy up, you know, picking up his leg when he wants to keep it on the ground. There's very few things that it's good for, whereas if you're doing that, uh, spending that time on cardio or striking, wrestling, it's going to have way more of an impact on your game. So essentially, I can get Greg Jackson's drift here is that he's wasting time on this powerlifting bullshit. <laughs> he's just going to help his muscles more than his game uh, to basically neglect the rest of his training. So I think that's that's a good point. Uh, although John well, well, you, you could you could say it adds overall that. strength. Um, it adds um, maybe builds some mental strength also, uh, increases self confidence. But I just would have liked to seen him. Uh, I guess the only way we'd know is if he would would have not been powerlifting, and if he still would have had cardio issues after cardio issues after coming back after such a long layoff. Right. 
and, and if St. Pooh could have made more of a fight out of it. Yep, Jones got the unanimous decision there, and then uh, Demetrius Johnson finally fuck go the distance. <laughs> Uh, ended it in the first round by TKO with some knees to the body against uh, Henry Cejudo. The Olympic hopeful there took his first loss in uh, pretty dramatic fashion there. Just uh, two minutes and 50 seconds about uh, into the fight. And then we had uh, Edson Barbosa versus Anthony Pettis, which a lot of people might have expected would be a very dynamic uh, brawl type fight. Turned out to be really technical, really boring. Really all over the place. Uh, Barboza just had the better uh, strategy and technique, so he took the win. Well, was was it also the fact that perhaps Pettis is uh, broke? That too. I Maybe mean, he's not. You he's know, because from what I heard, now I didn't see the uh, the main draw, but from what I understand, Pettis was not the old gunslinger. He was extremely gun-shy. Now, uh, again, you could say Barbarossa may have had a lot to do with that. But I just don't remember the old Anthony Pettis being slow on the draw. I right. mean, he would come at you in a whole variety of ways. And uh, this is three losses in a row. This is something that I, I sure didn't see this coming a year ago. Nope. And they'll keep him, though. They won't throw him out. Even though they just threw out our... Uh, didn't really throw him out, but he, he got hired away from... The UFC to a World Series of Fighting, our former guest there, Sean Jordan, the man with the uh, the fat guy with the head kick, <laughs> so I like to call him. Oh, so he, so he was signed with the World Series of Fighting, huh? Yeah, and uh, he only lost one fight with the UFC. Uh, he had uh, strung a few together and then uh, fought uh, the Magomedov fight, and now he's with the World Series of Fighting, so I don't know what happened there. But uh, here's Anthony Pettis, lost three in a row, and they're not going to release him. Anytime soon, just for the name recognition alone, I think. Uh, but also on this card, we had Robert Whitaker took uh, Rafael Natal to school over the course of three rounds. Uh, unanimous decision there. Uh, Natal was close to being out a few times, but uh, got to give him credit for hanging in there, at least. Uh, Yair Rodriguez also got a big win over Andre Feely by knockout. With a big time head kick there in the second round. 215 into that round. And our former guest Sergio Pettis had a good night against Chris Calades. Got himself a unanimous decision there. Uh, there was no split decisions. Everything was unanimous the other night. I guess that's a good thing. Uh, Danny Roberts also got his unanimous decision over Dominique Steele. Carla Esparza came back with a big unanimous decision win over Juliana Lima. James Vick got a unanimous decision win over Glyco Franca. That was an interesting fight, actually. I liked watching that one. I was uh, starting off the preliminaries there. Uh, we also had Walt Harris beat Cody East by TKO in the first round. Marcos Rogerio de Lima beat Clint Hester by arm triangle choke in the first. And Kevin Lee beat Efron Escudero by uh, unanimous decision. That was that one. And, of course, we've got uh, Bellator to talk about. We didn't even really mention this card last week on the show. I kind of just let it go right over my head, even though there's a big uh, big milestone fight here for uh, for uh, Benson Henderson. 
his first fight in Bellator for the title, and uh, he didn't really look very good. He looked like he was very frustrated. Uh, never really looked overly hurt. Koroshkov uh, knocked him down a couple times, had him had him on uh, the defensive a lot of the fight, but uh, you know, give him, give uh, Benson credit. He shook it all off and kept coming, but just uh, just really ben Benson belongs at one fifty five. We can go back to a guest that we had on a few years ago, and his name eludes me, but he said something that sticks in my head. When your body's not where it's meant to be, <laughs> leave it attached, you know? Right. And it just seems like the, the, that 170, I mean, he had that 140 into 170 and won, but uh, this really showed he does not belong at 170. So we'll see what he does, but uh, obviously he's got to hang in there. He just signed a big contract with them, so um, <clears throat> just doesn't look good for the whole UFC to Bellator trend when the guy comes over there and loses. <laughs> right. Even if it is for a title shot, you know. He, well, right, and you remember, if I remember right, he wasn't kicked out of the UFC. No. He left on his own. He wasn't released. Uh, and also over the weekend, um, Scott Coker came out and, and basically called for Rory McDonald to test free agency. That was another big story over the weekend. Um, so that, that's kind of huge. Patricio Friere, also on this card, uh, Mr. Pitbull, beat up uh, another former guest of ours, Henry Corrales, by submission from uh, a guillotine choke in the second round. Just about uh, 51 seconds before the end of the round. Uh, Henry. Yeah, Henry. Henry gave it a good fight for a while. Yeah, he but, always does. But uh, you know, it's one of those things where he took a big step up in competition from a feeder league right up to to Bellator pretty quickly. And he was undefeated. He had a very solid uh, lower tier career going, and then just psh, right up to the stardom main event uh, fight. So. Uh, he's having a little adjustment issues, but I think he'll get his game together and figure things out. And I'd like to see him um, kind of get a little bit easier matchups here so he can get that experience under his belt without getting his ass kicked every time he has to do it. <laughs> yeah, because I, I, I think he took this fight on short notice, if I, yeah. if I recall. Yeah, and, and maybe they, that's they something that, the that I know every time. I got... John John Jones's manager says there's no not going to be any more um, last minute stuff for him either. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I I understand the mindset behind it that you want to get an opportunity, but it's just not working out for Henry. And we also had Cyborg's ex boyfriend there, Evangelista Santos, beat oh. up on uh, Brennan Ward, got him in a heel hook submission there. Thirty seconds into that fight, okay, that, that was a terrible terrible tactical mistake because there's a certain rule when someone is really good as, as a submission fighter don't take it down in the first round because by the third round you're so covered with sweat i mean i noticed that from a lot of my experience if, if it was later on in the night i could hold off a lot of guys that were a lot better than me just because of the sweat factor right but early on that's the he, uh, ward played a very dangerous game and paid the price for it and we had a split decision win for Brent Primus over Glorstone Santos. 
course, Michael Page looking good, as always, against Jeremy Holloway with a an Achilles lock submission, which I had not heard of. I didn't. I missed this fight, so I didn't catch it myself. But. You know, uh, a lot of the squawking about that is, is Michael Page ever going to get a competitive fight? <laughs> <laughs> is that ever going to happen? Yeah. Ever. Well, he's got such long range and reach and just lankiness. It's, it's tough at that way to combat that, so... Good luck to whoever has to face him next. Uh, we also had Matt Bassett beat Keith Richardson by Dr. Stoppage in the second round. 314 into that one. Mike Zichel beat Joe Cronin by rear naked choke submission. Just a buck 25 into that fight. Had Chris Honeycutt beat Matt Secor by unanimous decision uh, in the first fight of the night. Jamil Chan beat Richard Patishnok by knockout. In the first round, 309 into that one. Do we got the rest of that? Of course, we got some boxing coming up. We had some boxing over the weekend. The big fight was um, Dominic Wade getting dominated by Gennady Golovkin. You call that a big fight? Right out of the water. Uh, second round knockout. I mean, it was worse than we predicted. Yeah. Yeah. I figured it may go four. <laughs> yeah. Worse than Ring Magazine predicted. They were predicting maybe five. Yeah. We almost didn't get out of one. Yep. Well, this sure is going to start the canopy for the Canelo fight, but um, I don't want to get ahead of things, so I just let Richard. <laughs> Uh, well, I don't have all the results right in front of me, but um, Andre is uh, obviously pretty dominant in a lot of his fights, so this is just another example of that. And, I mean, uh, Gennady. Well, you know, I, I guess you guys got that article I sent out about, um, you know, I, the, the whole thing is, is now I guess Golden Boy is saying that uh, assuming Canelo wins, uh, it's not like he's ducking Triple G if he doesn't sign for an immediate fight with him. Well, that's the perception. That's the fight the fans want to see, and I guess Golden Boy's latest thing is now is Triple G hasn't fought anywhere near the opposition Canelo has. Right. Oh, it's so frustrating. You know, this whole catchweight thing, I, whenever I get frustrated, I have an imaginary conversation with my two of my favorite old-school fighters, Rocky Graziano and Tony Zale. And I asked them about that. Can you imagine what they would say? Hmm. If you're the middleweight champ and all of a sudden you got to fight at 155. And you remember Mancini, what Ray Mancini had some comments on that too. Uh, are you a legacy fighter or a money fighter? Unfortunately, you have a lot of money fighters now. And I, I hate to criticize. It's a dangerous business, but it still comes down to, you know, if that's what you're in it for, or you're really going to have a... I mean, it's just, just like the guys in the old days. I mean, anyone, anytime. And if they got to jump up and wait, fine. But, damn it, if you're the middleweight champion, the last I checked, you know, I wasn't a math major, but it said 160. <laughs> yeah. And now catch weight, catch weight. you imagine trying to explain that to Zalen Graziano? I, I just, they think, well, what are you talking about? Or, or it's even worse. And I think a lot of that started with the... Um, and I, and I call it the De La Hoya Mayweather Pacquiao era. Um, because you were having fighters jumping up to collect titles and 
and I guess you could even say a little bit even back in the day, Sugar Ray Hunter, because like when he brought Diamond Golan, you know, he forced Lalonde, who was the light heavyweight, I wasn't going to champion, but light heavyweight titleist, to drop down in weight. And they put, they put one, the belt for 168 and 175 on the line at the same time, but they basically fought at like a catch weight. But really with the De La Hoya, um, Pacquiao, Mayweather, it was, everything was always a catch weight. You know, Mayweather would be moving up, um, to, you know, challenge for um, a title, and you know he was he was making the champion come down and wait. Um, I'll give Felix Trinidad credit when Felix Trinidad moves up the middleweight. He didn't make William Joffe or Bernard Hopkins come down. You know he went and challenged him with their own weight class. Um, right. But it was you know that era. It was okay. I'm moving up. You know to challenge this guy for his title, but. He has to drop and wait. No, then why isn't he just dropping to your weight class to challenge for your title? I mean, it just it just doesn't make sense, and it seems like once that genie's out of the bottle, it's hard to get it back in there. Mm-hmm. Catch weight. I, I mean, like I said, I, I just I just can't imagine that those old school guys. Um, they just wouldn't get it. I mean, damn it! If you want the middleweight championship, you move up and fight the champ. Uh, there is a lot of boxing going on this weekend, starting tomorrow night. Actually, uh, we got some stuff on Spike TV, Premier Boxing Champions stuff. Uh, now, this is uh, Marshall Kaufman uh, promoting this one, actually, uh, from the Trump Taj Mahal over there in Atlantic City. Is the Taj Mahal still open? I didn't know that. I guess it is. <laughs> I guess so. I, I thought the Trump Plaza closed. Trump Taj Mahal, I went to my first fight. Uh, what is little, little piece of tornado trivia there. This one's uh, featuring the Durrell brothers in a couple fights. Supporting action here. Anthony is 28-1-1 and at super middleweight, fighting Caleb Truax, who's 26-2-2. Andre is 24-2, fighting Blake Caparello, who's 22-1-1. In the main event is Super Bantamweights, Jonathan Guzman, 20-0, fighting Daniel Rosas, who is 20, 20 wins, 2 uh, losses, and 1 draw. It's his record coming in. Also got Eddie Ramirez, undefeated at 12-0 at welterweight, fighting Osumanu Akaba, who is 32-9-1. <clears throat> rounds out the big fights on that card. That's, uh, again, from Atlantic City on Friday night. It's going to be on Spike TV. Uh, it's not televised, but if you're down in El Paso, Texas on Friday night, you can watch the IBF World Female Featherweight title fight between Jennifer Hahn, 13-3-1, and, and Liliana Martinez, who is 20-15 there. Nothing else really jumping out on that card. Uh, but we have a pretty interesting fight uh, down in Australia. Victoria, Australia. Zach Dunn at super middleweight. He is 20-0, fighting Les Sherrington, who's 35-8 for the WBC International Super Middleweight title. That's the main event. And we've got a co-main event of Jade Mitchell, 6-1, and, and Gabor G. Farkas, who is 10-8-1. By the way, that reminds me, uh, I had an interesting uh, Twitter follower a couple weeks ago. Uh, you guys ever seen the movie Christmas Story? Of course. You know, the uh, the two brothers that are always uh, bullying uh, 
The kid who wants the BB gun and his little brother who can't move in yeah. the snowsuit. The Farkas brothers. Yeah. Uh, one of the actors who played the uh, the oldest of the, the red-headed Farkas is there. Uh, Scott Farkas. He actually followed me on Twitter. Really? <laughs> so fucking funny. I was like, wow. And that's like one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie is when he finally beats that guy up. And his, you know, his mother has to hear all the swear words coming out of his mouth while he's smacking him. You know, you know what else is funny? And not a lot of people um, really realize this, but um, that actor, um, uh, of course I'm forgetting his name right now, but the guy that played Scott Farkas, he was in a, um, I think it was Freddy versus Jason. Huh. And I didn't realize it at first, but... Because the one kid in the movie was like, you know, a teenager, red-haired kid. And then his brother had supposedly committed suicide. And when he fell asleep the one night, he was having a dream. And it was his brother in, a, in like, a, the bathtub, bathtub full of blood. Hmm. And it was the grown-up Scott Farkas, um, <laughs> who then turned into Freddy. Yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's still acting. Obviously, still has money because he's one of those uh, promoted profiles too, which is kind of funny. I was like, "Wow, someone sort of famous is following me." <laughs> anyway, uh, we got another female fight over in Vienna, Austria, on Saturday at the Admiral Dome. Eva Voraberger, who is twenty and four at super flyweight, will be fighting Esmeralda Moreno, who is thirty-two, eight and one. It's tough to do that, uh, get over 40 fights as a female fighter. But uh, this one's for the IBO World Female Super Flyweight title, the Women's International Boxing Federation Super Flyweight title, and the Global Boxing Union Super Flyweight title. And we got uh, the only, only other fight on this card, uh, the co-main event, is a light heavyweight fight for the vacant International Boxing Organization Intercontinental Light Heavyweight title. That's uh, between Timmy Shala, 21 and 1, 20 wins, 1 loss, 1 draw, fighting Cedric Belace, who is 18, 7, and 3. That's that one. What the other big one is this weekend? Here's a big one in Germany. A couple undefeated light heavyweights fighting for a couple titles. The WBO Intercontinental Light Heavyweight title and the WBA Continental Light Heavyweight title. Uh, this one is between Dominic Bosell, 21-0, and Dennis Liebau, who is 19-0. And again, you can thank BoxRec for not uh, putting up the knockouts. Let's see what else we got. That's really the only big one on that card. Another one over in Germany, different card, has uh, Cruiserweights in the main event. Isa Akerbeev, who is 16-0 at Cruiserweight, fighting Gabor Halas, who is 37-16. That's for the Global Boxing Council Cruiserweight title. And then we've got another big female fight for the vacant Global Boxing Council female super lightweight title and the vacant Women's International Boxing Federation world super lightweight title. We've got Alicia Molina Coomer, who is 9-1, fighting Zofia Bido, who is 15-36-1. A lot of losses there. 
And uh, another one in Germany. Super middleweight main event for the vacant World Boxing Union German version. Super middleweight title. That's that's a mouthful. Uh, but that's between Christian Pollock, 27-8-1, and Baker Barakat, who is 41-18-4. And, and the co-main event there is uh, between heavyweight Boban Falopovich. I don't know if he's related, related to Krokop. But he is 17-0 as a heavyweight, fighting Muhammad Ali Dermaz, who is 10-19. And then if he is 10-19, he does not deserve the name Muhammad Ali. <laughs> <laughs> you know, great minds think alike. <laughs> of all the names with that kind of record, wow. You know, there is such a thing as a name change. Got an interesting one over in Lazio, Italy, as well on Saturday. Zakaria Atu, 22-6-1 at Super Welterweight, fighting Emmanuel De La Rosa, who is 36-2. That's uh, for the vacant EBU EU Super Welterweight title. Also on that card, uh, middleweights Emanuela Bladamora, 24-2, and Goran Malinkovic, who is 12-10. Here's uh, talk about an opponent's record here. We got uh, another middleweight fight on the card. Uh, Daniel Moruzzi, who's 16 and two. He's fighting uh, Muguro Sebe, who is 18, 18 wins, 82 losses, and four draws. 82. And it looks like we got a mismatch of the week over there in Italy. It's the only fight on this card. Alessandro Gotti looking for an e easy win here. Uh, he's 24-1-1 one one at middleweight. He's fighting a guy named Joseph Rax, who is 6-7. and 24-1 with one draw fighting a guy who's 6-7. and seven. <laughs> oh, oh, I spoke too soon. There's another one in another town in Italy. Between a guy who is uh, at featherweight, he's got 20 wins, 5 losses, and 1 draw, fighting a guy named Kasaba Stir, who's not going to stir up any uh, faith in the crowd, because his record is 1-7-3. and three. So yeah, Italy is our mismatch country of the week, I guess. <coughs> That's pretty bad. We also have minimum weight females fighting for a title here in Sonora, Mexico on Saturday. Annabelle Ortiz, 19-3, fighting Katiera Gutierrez, 19-6 for the WBA World Minimum Weight title. And that's pretty much the main fight on that card. Saturday. Panama. We got some fights in Panama. Panama City on Saturday. Bantamweights fighting for the WBC Silver Bantamweight title. Anselmo Moreno, 25, no, 35-4-1 is his record. Fighting Surian Sorungvisai, who is 46-6-1. Uh, those records, you'd think they'd be fighting for a regular title, not a silver title. Whatever the heck that is. Anyway. <clears throat> um, they didn't pay enough on the sanctioning fees, I guess. <laughs> probably not. 
we also have the WBA Theta Latin Super Lightweight title on the line. The co-main event, uh, Alberto Mosquera, 22-2-2. Two's are wild. Fighting Brian Nahuel Zarza, who's 12-1-2. And then we got the WBA Theta Latin Super Featherweight title between Juan Hortus, 10-1, and, and Alvaro Maramon, who's 11-10-1. Interesting card all around there. Let's see what else we got going on? Russia. It's not that great. Lots of stuff going on all over the world. We got a um, big fight over in London. Few uh, regional titles on the line there. Also, the uh, vacant WBO international heavyweight title between uh, Tyson's brother there, the less controversial Huey Fury, who is 19 and 0 at heavyweight already. He's fighting Fred Cassie, who is 18, 4 and 1. And I've seen Cassie fight before. He's, he's not too shabby, but. Uh, Still, a very basic one-two type fighter. He doesn't throw a lot of big hooks, uppercuts, and stuff like that. He's very physically fit. I'll give him that. So we'll see how that one goes for Huey. We also got Ryan Walsh at featherweight. He's got 20 wins, one loss, one draw. Fighting James Tennyson, who's 16 and one for the BBB of C British featherweight title. Anthony Nelson undefeated at 11-0. Fighting Jamie Conlon, who's 15 and 0 at super flyweight for the. British Empire super flyweight title there. And, uh, Liam Walsh, 19-0, fighting Troy James, 18-2-1 at super featherweight for the BBB of C British super featherweight title. That's pretty much it for that. The big fights. And, of course, we've got uh, USA... Fox, Fox Sports 1, I think, is going to have this, a regular Fox, uh, another big uh, Premier Boxing Champions card here, uh, former guest of ours, Edwin Rodriguez is in the co-main event here, Edwin is 28-1 with the only loss coming to Andre Ward, of course, and he's fighting Thomas Williams Jr., who's 19-1 at light heavyweight. Main event is a rematch between Andre Berto, who's 30-4, and, and Victor Ortiz, who's 31-5-2, coming into this oh, one. It fight five years ago. I have no interest in seeing the uh, rematch. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's not, uh, it's not an exciting matchup, so to speak. Uh, both guys are kind of past their prime. It's still pretty good. I think it was like fight of the year, or candidate for fight of the year. But, mm, yeah... Um, um, two fighters that really don't have my interest. And we've got Fernando Montiel on this card. He's 54-5-2 fighting Jorge Lara, who's undefeated, 27-0-2 coming into this one. And a big sort of a surprise fight, uh, Eddie Chambers coming out of inactivity. He's 42-4. Fighting Gerald Washington in this one at heavyweight, who's 16-0-1. And, 
And uh, also super welterweights Terrell Gausha, who's 17 and 0, fighting Orlando Laura, who's 31, 6 and 2. Uh, undercard also features some interesting matchups. Uh, David Benavidez undefeated at 13 and 0, fighting Philip Jackson Benson, who's 16 and 2 at light heavyweight. Uh, we got Manny Robles undefeated at 9 and 0, fighting Rafael Eduardo Reyes, who's 7 and 6. Uh, we got Anthony Flores at welterweight, undefeated at 10 and 0, fighting Brian Jones, who's 12 and 4. And we got uh, competing cards, of course. Here, uh, Mayweather Promotions has a card in D.C. on Saturday, big one. Badu Jack in the main event against Lucian Butte. This one's going to be on Showtime. And uh, Badu is 20, 20 wins, one loss, one draw, fighting Butte, who is 32 and 3. It's for the WBC World Super Middleweight title there. And, uh, you know, uh, Butte, another talented fighter, fast hands, doesn't have a great chin. And um, I think, you know, we've seen his best days. That's the fight, you know, I think you have to um, favor towards B. Jack. Yeah. We'll see, though. It's, uh, it's interesting. we got a couple European guys coming over here to the United States for this one. So, obviously, uh, Mayweather is trying to show his international appeal with this card. Uh, we also got James DeGale, uh, big-time uh, UK fighter. He's 22-1 and one at super middleweight, coming over to fight Rogelio Medina, who is 36-6. and six. This is for the IBF World Super Middleweight title. Uh, and then we also got uh, Joshua Okine, 28-6-1, fighting Christopher Pearson at 13-1 for a middleweight bout there. <clears throat> and then we've got Sharif Bogere, who is 27-1, fighting Samuel Amawako, 21-9 at super lightweight. That rounds out that card. Pretty sure that's about it for the major, major fights. Let's see if anything else jumps out. Sunday, Wednesday. That's it for this week. Uh, let's see if I have any big news to cover. Oh, there's a big, uh, interesting story here about um, Dana White getting slammed by Don Fry over this uh, McGregor thing. Uh, Don Fry came on uh, Submission Radio recently and uh, totally blamed Dana White for the whole McGregor situation. He says, uh, when you're training for a fight, it's 24-7. It's a 24-7 job. And if they got you doing more interviews and promoting than they do fighting, well, then you're not going to last long. You're not going to have a long career. How do I say this without being rude? I guess I can't, so I'll piss on it. You know, Dana likes everything his way, and if he doesn't get his way, he throws a fit. But that's what's happening, you know? And Connor's spot on, man. You can't spend more time doing interviews than training. This is a dangerous sport, okay? And the thing is, it went from a fight to a sport to a TV show, and it's a danger. It's still a dangerous thing. So it um, basically comes down to um, special treatment. <coughs> Uh, and I did watch a little bit of the press conference that they did finally have, even though uh, McGregor didn't show up. And it's interesting to see, because uh, I think Don Fry has a point there about 
uh, you know, forcing guys to promote when they should be training. Probably not a good idea. It doesn't send a good message that uh, promoting is more important than training. Uh, but here you have the press conference goes forward, and you've got Conor McGregor's not there, but they got Nate Diaz there, and we all know about the Diaz family and their uh, penchant for not wanting to do interviews, <laughs> especially Nate. I mean Nick, uh, who has been fined before for not doing interviews. So, <clears throat> but uh, Dana White made a good point. He said, "Look, you know, Jose Aldo came to a press conference when his sister was getting married the same day." Uh, another guy came over from Poland for this press conference. Uh, so you can't give guys special treatment. On the other hand, when you have a guy like Conor McGregor with that kind of popularity, and he is coming off a fight where promoting it did nothing for him except, uh, you know, make him uh, feel like he had an advantage, maybe. But, um, you know, he's, he... He can't really do anything against Diaz to get in his head. I think he's figured that out. So what is the point of promoting for him now? It used to be promoting for him was just to make fun of everybody else on the stage and talk about uh, how everybody should be wanting to fight him for the money. Now that's all kind of been pulled out from under him. So he doesn't really have a leg to stand on in the promotional game until he starts you know, building up wins again. <clears throat> so I can kind of... Uh, Sort of get in his head about the reasoning why he doesn't want to go promote this fight rather than train. <clears throat> he's also way the heck over in Iceland. So, uh, you know, he's got a rhythm going. He's got his stuff going on. And uh, doesn't want to be uh, bothered. <clears throat> but as of right now, he's still off UFC 200. We don't know if they're going to try to set up a replacement opponent for him or whatever. But... At this press conference, they're asking Nate Diaz all kinds of questions, and he doesn't even know what's going on. Uh, so, you've got these two guys, Nate Diaz and Conor McGregor, have basically made Dana White look like an idiot. Because <laughs> he hasn't figured this situation out yet. And you've got Nate saying, hey, you know, I don't know who I'm going to fight. I'm here. Uh, I'll talk about fighting other people, but I really want this McGregor fight, and if I'm not getting that fight, he says, I'm going on vacation. <laughs> so, yeah, out of control, basically, the way it's going. Uh, and also, at the same time, uh, might have gone under a lot of uh, mixed martial arts news radar this week, but the UFC's co-owners, uh, the Fertitta brothers there, uh, just... Had a big time cash out for their casino company. They raised $531 million. Wow. Out of an uh, initial public offering for their casino stock to go public. But here's the catch, okay? They basically raised this money not to go towards building the future of the company, but to go directly into the pockets of the Fertitas. Because the entire proceeds of this buys out the Fertitta management company. And in addition, the Fertittas still have full voting rights to where everybody that buys shares has no real say in the direction of the company. <laughs> so they get their cake and they get to eat it too. <clears throat> Just unbelievable, favorable deal for the Fertittas. Uh, and it's basically most of the money goes directly to them. Uh, and the rest of it goes to a trust set up for their kids. 
So it's an entirely Fertitta family deal, basically. Uh, benefit, as far as the benefits go. <clears throat> so they're not crying about any money uh, at this point. There's also a rumor that's been going around about, not a rumor, but it's officially been uh, confirmed that uh, Fedor Emelianenko's company uh, just made a bid for Conor McGregor. Two million bucks for him to appear on the undercard of Fedor versus uh, Fabio. Fabio Maldonado over there in Russia. And, of course, Conor would never be able to take that deal as long as he's on UFC contract. But, you know, it's kind of a PR move for this company to say, hey, we made a play for this guy. And we can pay guys $2 million. <laughs> But I think you're going to have a situation here with the UFC. Nate Diaz and Conor McGregor both are starting to really make the UFC look pretty weak as far as forcing people to do what they want them to do. And you're getting situations where the UFC is getting into public fights with people that it might not be able to win. Because <laughs> uh, Conor McGregor could end up elsewhere. I mean... I don't know if he's legally uh, better off retiring to, to end up going elsewhere, but <clears throat> he could just fight out whatever his contract is and then go on to bigger and better things and really sting the UFC in the process for this one. But he's been kind of quiet the last couple days, hasn't really put on anything major. Uh, he did have a big statement he put out. We didn't get to it uh, last week's show, but he put out a big statement about his reasoning behind, you know, his decision to stay in train and not wanting to go out and promote <clears throat> this fight. Um, but he's basically, you know, towing the party line of, hey, I made the UFC hundreds of millions of dollars already, so I can't do it all. <laughs> you guys got to do some of your own shit. Uh, but, I don't know, is he too big to fail? We'll find out. We'll find out. I don't think uh, I don't think the UFC is doing a good job with uh, managing his character, though. And uh, you know, as far as whatever happened to make Connor think that he had a deal, too, you have to wonder what got into his head that he thought the deal was signed, sealed, and delivered, and he's back on this card enough so that he could tweet it out there. Uh, just very funny business going on there. Uh, and and he basically, uh, you know, he basically, I think, is pressuring not only Dana White, but also Lorenzo, Lorenzo Fertitta, into uh, ironing this whole situation out. But it's another situation that reminds me most of all of uh, when Dana White said to John Fitch, you're fired if you don't sign this deal that gives away your lifetime rights to the video game companies. Uh, and now that is part of the uh, the big lawsuit there, the antitrust lawsuit the UFC is facing still. It's another thing i got to look up and find out uh, what's going on with. It is what it is. It's another situation that, uh, again, makes Dana White look like he has no idea how to promote, no idea how to manage fighters, and, and just no clue, period, about people. Just how to deal with people. Sometimes he just uh, just puts his foot right in his damn mouth. Gets a lot of people in trouble uh, for believing that uh, you know he's, he's good for the UFC. When he really 
in a lot of ways, it's just making things worse. <clears throat> and I get his point that, hey, you know, it's unfair to give a guy special treatment. Um, but at the same time, to tell a guy, you're going to be thrown off the card if you don't come and promote it at this press conference. Uh, rather than, you know, do something where they could have uh, a satellite feed and compromise. You know, you get, instead, you get into a public, in-your-face, on-TV, and on social media, back and forth with this guy. How does that help you? You know, it would have been a lot better off if they could have dealt with this all behind closed doors and not let it get out of hand like they have. Um... I don't think Roger Goodell would have let that happen if it was an NFL situation. I'll tell you that. But anyway, that's all we have for news and event stuff. Uh, unless you guys have anything to add, I think we'll call it a night. No, I was, um, so Tom, you liked my tattoo? Love it. Like you said, that's, uh, the dogs will live forever. Yeah. You know, um, and... It was, you know, something that was very important to me to get done, and I'm happy with it. I mean, I'm thrilled with the work he did, but he's tattooed me before. So um, I went in there confident, um, you know, with, you know, what he was going to do. And I'm going to post some. I, t I took pictures with my camera. I was just doing them in the mirror. Like, every time we took a break, I would, um, you know, get up and take another picture in the mirror. So it starts off, all you see is, like, the outline. Um, before he even tattooed the outline on, it was just the outline he had that he pasted on my chest. And then as he was doing it, every time I just kept, you know, taking a picture. And, you know, it was, it was nearly a nine-hour ordeal. You know, I got there at 10 a.m., and he wanted to see me and look at me um, before he decided, because he printed out the picture facing each way, and he had to decide which way he wanted to, um, you know, um, put it on me, and then after he made the decision, after looking at me, he took his trace paper and he, you know, traced up the outline. So we didn't start the actual tattooing process until about eleven o'clock, and we finished about seven forty-ish, maybe. So it was definitely a long event, um, but well worth it. And I'm already thinking about my September job. Yeah, it was a great tattoo and uh, obviously a great dog. Uh, I've yeah. uh, I've been learning about the Golden Retriever breed myself since uh, my, oh, girl breed. my girlfriend's best friend has a dog named Bronson, named after Bronson Arroyo. And he's okay. an, he's, yeah, he's an 11-year-old Golden Retriever. He's got the real thick coat. He's a water dog. Definitely loves the water. Yep, so and uh, I've been hiking with him a lot, and he actually pulled a rope dope on me the other day. Uh, it was kind of funny because uh, he's uh, he's kind of on a diet. He's eaten a lot of scraps over the years, so he's he's on a little bit of a vet induced diet. <clears throat> and so I, when I'm watching him, I'm not supposed to give him any extra food. <clears throat> so. I'm uh, stuck at, at the house one day, and the, the whole time I'm up there in Maine, I've been getting uh, the royal treatment from the girls. You know, they're doing all my dishes and all this other stuff, so uh, I just sit back and do my thing, go hiking with the dog, do my work. <clears throat> but anyway, so I'm at the house by myself this day, and it's the one day i got to do the dishes. So I'm also power washing the deck 
for this girl. And <clears throat> so I come up with the idea, well, I'm, I'm going to power wash some of these dishes <laughs> with the power washer. So we had, uh, of all things, uh, bacon and scallops the night before. And, of course, the pan was a mess. So I put that out on the front porch. And then uh, the salad bowl was also on the counter with a bunch of salad dressing still in it. I think it was what we had the salad dressing chicken or something like that was marinating in it. So I go to the back porch and I throw that off the side of the porch. And I'm watching the dogs sniffing all around out there and stuff. I know he wants to go get it. So I call him in before he can go get it, and then <clears throat> I go back to doing dishes, and then he wants to go out again, so I let him out again, and I see him go back towards the the salad dressing where I dumped it off the deck, so I figure, aha, he's going to realize it's all in the ground and it's salad dressing, you don't like it anyway. So I turn my back, and then next thing you know, I look out in the, the front porch, and there he is, licking the scallop and bacon dish. <laughs> he totally rope-a-doped me. He went to the other porch. <laughs> uh, he got it all. I didn't even have to power wash it. Basically, I was like, "Wow!" I just put, put it, brought it right in the house, and put it in the sink, and it was done. <laughs> oh, Rich, how's the how's the training coming? It's good. Uh, I've been sick. I got just about every bug I could possibly get. Every time I go to Maine, I get some other kind of bug. So it's been like a month straight where i've been sick just about every day except maybe one or two days and uh so this week is actually when i fully got healthy so i definitely want to try to lose more weight this week that i packed on being lazy and sick <clears throat> but um okay is is the date still on in for may no that fight's in massachusetts uh, i wanted to be on that card but uh, i haven't got in enough sparring or actual you know formal training yet so I'm going to hold off on that one. I think they've either got one in August or September in Maine. And, you know, my base is pretty much in Maine now. So uh, I'm going to get back to uh, formal training up there. My coach actually just had a fight on April 23rd. He, he submitted this guy in the first round by arm triangle. So definitely going to have to uh, pick his brain on uh, learning some more jujitsu stuff next time I get up there to train with those guys. The berserkers camp there in uh, Rumford. But I'm spending just about every weekend there now up in Maine. So I definitely will be getting back there doing that. Doing a lot more running around here than now that we've got nicer weather. Uh, and I've been doing the logging. So that's at least keeping me sort of close to 200. <laughs> but I still got to get down to a buck 85 before I can even really seriously think about saying get me a fight so that's goal number one and once we get to goal number number one we'll we'll set goal number two which is fight time okay so so, so right now you're you're sort of close to 200 huh yeah about 205 <laughs> okay walk around yeah it's like someone was asked me about my and i said well uh, 170 is where i belong and he says where you belong <laughs> well you know it's a <laughs> Okay, hey, you're going in the right direction, buddy. Going right. in the right direction. Well, the sickness is, I mean, it was like colds, flus, and it was oh, one, yeah. one of I them mean, lasted like three weeks. And, and I got it from the kid I was training with. So I can't imagine he had a good uh, time with it either. Just crazy stuff. And uh, 
I've also uh, run out of my Pronabolin supply, so I finally did my review of that product, and they're going to send me some more, and we're going to um, probably do like a little commercial spot for the radio show, get an ad up on our, our website too, because yeah, I really definitely had a good experience. Uh, and I'm not really a supplement guy. When I boxed in college, the only thing I took was... Uh, a little bit of chromium and um, creatine. I did a little bit of creatine when I was at Norwich, but not when I was at um, VMI. VMI, the, I did use one thing called ripped fuel, but I didn't really like it because uh, as soon as you pissed after taking it, it was like all the energy was gone. <laughs> so, yeah, I just didn't really like it too much. But I've never been a guy that uh, supplements uh, with powders or anything like that for any good amount of time uh, unless it really works and this stuff really works and I kind of uh, you know mentioned to these guys they might want to change the label on this product because the one problem I did have is on the label of Pernabolin they tell you hey uh, you might want to take uh, or it says for adults take three capsules once daily so to me that sounds like take all three at once, right? At the same time. Yeah. Probably not a good idea, as far as I could recommend. Because when I did that, especially the first time when you're not used to the product, man, it was too much. It was way too much. Uh, my heartbeat increased real bad. Uh, I, I was sweating. I didn't feel comfortable. <clears throat> so since then, I have taken max two at a time, usually one at a time, one in the morning. One around noon, one in the afternoon, or at, even at night sometimes when I've got a lot of work to do, I'll take one. And it's good stuff. I mean, it gives you energy like you wouldn't believe. And uh, the best benefit of all, I think, is that it increases your metabolism and helps you digest stuff a little bit better. I've always had a notoriously slow metabolism where, you know, if I eat a bunch of stuff, even if I train that day, you know, I'm going to gain weight. Whereas this stuff, it helps you just basically put out whatever you put in, you know. It uh, definitely helps out in that respect. And I felt when I was actually fully putting a workout in every single day, I was noticing some serious weight loss gains. Uh, two to three pounds a day taking this stuff. So, And it would stay off. I got back, I got down to almost 192, 193 was my lowest weight taking it over the last few months. But I also never really took it faithfully as far as three pills every single day. And I never really had a set program that I followed for an entire month, let's say. It was always different. So I really have to get to the point where I'm taking it and I'm not only, uh, you know, doing it by the book as far as taking three a day but also setting up a workout so that week by week I can actually show results of being on not only a training program but a program with this stuff that's designed to get the full benefit out of it because otherwise you're just taking it to uh, to not get fat <laughs> if you're not working out with it you know you're not really getting the best benefits out of it so <clears throat> That's my story, and I'm sticking to it, but I'm definitely not giving up on uh, the goal. The main goal here is to have a fight by the end of this year. 
I'd like to be as ready as possible and look as good as I possibly can. So I'm going to give the, uh, the Pronambolin a, a shot to really work. I'm going to get my formal training in. And as um, soon as I'm down to that buck 85 on the scale, that's when I'm going to ask for my fight. And uh, by then, too, I'll have trained enough with these guys up in Maine that they'll know who's a good matchup for me. Because, I, I mean, yeah. Ideally, I'd love to get thrown in there with a bum, but that's not going to do good for either of us yeah. if that happens, right? So, I'd like to get somebody uh, at least somewhat competitive. So, and we'll also be doing uh, more stuff on the website about it. I did put out a blog today on the Pernambulin, if you want to check that out on fightnewsunlimited.com. Uh, and also, uh, we'll be doing some YouTube videos, I'm sure. To, uh, to highlight how this stuff works. But the thing I like about it, I mean, you guys have heard me bash TRT time and again on the show, uh, but that stuff is completely different than what Pernambolin is. Pernambolin is uh, an entirely all-natural booster. It's not actual testosterone. It's uh, designed to make your body boost your own testosterone levels. So it's a little bit different than uh, you know your traditional TRT regimen that uh, Vitor Belfort might have been on before it got uh, banned again. <clears throat> um, but it definitely seems to have the same type of effects. I mean, you you know, it's just all the claims that are made and all the uh, the prescribed stuff for the prescribed products in the commercials. I mean, the same claims are made by these guys and. They're backed up by yeah, the, my experience. You know, you know it's, it's funny. I heard that Machida uh, took, was taking a DHEA. Oh, okay. And that was, uh, uh, that's like a, a more of a natural testosterone booster. And uh, I, I can't believe that's uh, on the ban list. But apparently it is. Oh, they're adding all kinds of stuff. The good thing about the amateurs is you don't have to do all the blood testing and everything like that. Not that I would want to do something legal, but... <laughs> Yeah. You know, I don't have to worry about uh, you know what's on what list and all that other shit. And it's yeah, I mean, it, it's just kind of funny how how wide the net is though, because I take DHEA myself, and it's very, you know, very uh, like on a scale of one to ten, I wouldn't think it would be much more than a two compared, you know, like ten being the actual pharmaceutical TRT. Right. Uh, awful strange. Well, I'm telling you, it's, it seems like the pendulum's really swung. Also, uh, one piece of news I forgot to mention. Uh, Ronda Rousey just signed a three-year movie deal with Lifetime. So, uh, obviously people... You gotta wonder if she's coming back. Whether uh, this means anything about her Octagon career. I think she's definitely coming back to fight, uh, at least to fight uh, Misha Tate again. But uh, how long she comes back is the question. And uh, she does have yeah, a contract. I don't, I don't, I don't think we'll see her again, Cyborg. No. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the whole idea of going back when you have opportunities like this gets harder and harder and harder. So the question is, you know, what happens if she comes back and gets demolished? She's probably out for good. If she comes back and does well, then it's the dilemma. You know, does she want to keep doing this and risk not having her uh, movie career if she doesn't uh, do as well as she wants to? 
I mean, uh, gives the old break a leg whole new meaning, right? <laughs> uh, well, well if, if she comes back and beats Misha, I could see her quitting then. Going out on top, maybe. Right. But, you know, as far as a rematch with Holly, or as far as the first time with Cyborg, she'll have to do a lot of thinking about that. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I just don't think she'll ever get in there with Cyborg. Probably not. <coughs> Holly Holm doesn't even want to get in there with Cyborg. At least not on short <laughs> <days>. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. So that's about it for this week's show. Uh, next week, actually, we're working on uh, Dusty Hernandez Harrison. We're going to get him on the show. He's uh, a Rock Nation, uh, Rock Sports, Rock Nation Sports uh, representative, or he's represented by them. And uh, not only uh, we got a chance to get him on the show, but we were actually recruited to interview him. The publicist for Rock Nation Sports uh, reached out to me personally. Uh, wants to get him on before May 13th when he'll take on his what they're calling his toughest opponent to date, Mike Dallas Jr., who is 21-3-1 with 10 knockouts. It's going to be at the D.C. Armory. And uh, Hernandez Harrison is from the D.C. area. And uh, he was actually just a sparring partner for Saul Canelo Alvarez. So, should be an interesting uh, little interview if we can get that going. Get uh, not only to talk about his fight, but uh, what Alvarez is looking like right now. Good stuff. So we'll be working on that, and uh, I'll let you guys know as soon as I do. But uh, Harrison is undefeated right now, 29 and 0 with 16 knockouts. So it's pretty impressive. Pretty good stuff. All right, guys. Thanks for stopping All by. Right. All right. Enjoy the fights this weekend. Hasta la vista, gentlemen. Adios.